0: Hey guys, welcome to the third episode of the most well known podcast about Die Hard Five, the greatest movie podcast. Uh thank you for joining us. I'm here as always with my co host Bosco. Say hello, Bosco. Hello. <laughs> a very literal response. Uh in any case, this week we watched the nineteen sixty four musical film My Fair Lady, starring Rex Harrison, Audrey Hepburn, and a bunch of other white people.
1: Can you say like it was John Cleese something inside or whatever his name was. You thought
0: it was a joke. <laughs> no black people. <laughs> so, before we talk about the movie, I'll give a brief summary. My Fair Lady is a 1964 film based off the 1956 musical, based off the 1938 movie, based off the 1912 play, based off the Greek myth.
1: Really? What? <laughs> yeah, real. I don't even know that that was true. Like, what is it? Just, just trust me on this one, man. <clears throat> In any okay. case,
0: um, My Fair Lady tells the story of a professor of uh phonetics and language who decides that, or he makes the boast to a friend of his, a colonel from India. The professor's name is Henry Higgins, that he can, he could make a Cockney slum girl who uh, they run into. For an opera, able to speak perfect high-class English, because she is literally... You cannot understand her at times. Uh, her accent is that bad. Annoying. So, she begins taking speaking lessons, and after a time, Pickering and Payans manage to get her to the point where she can indeed talk like a proper English lady. They then bring her to the horse races and the uh, ambassador's bowl at one point, and they finally decide that she is capable enough, they've done their job, They've won the. he's won the bet, he's done it, as he says, uh, or as many people say, that Henry's done it, and that Eliza's now a proper English lady. However, Eliza's very upset at this point, because she doesn't know what to do with her life now, and she was kind of like callously disregarded by the two of them after it. And so she eventually walks out, and he doesn't understand why, and so they have a final confrontation at his mother's house, before Eliza decides she's going to leave and marry Freddy, as uh, Henry walks home, he finds that he's grown accustomed to her face, this is the final song in the thing. And then finally, when he gets back to his study, he finds Eliza there waiting for him after all, giving us a kind of indistinct but happy ending. So what were your
1: thoughts on My Fair Lady? I mean, I'm just, I'm reading into this little, uh, you said there's a lot of, this is a play, <laughs> and it was a myth. But the myth is actually about statues.
0: The myth has nothing to do with The myth is about a guy who... Well, it, it's,
1: loose, it's very loosely based, because in, in a way, she would be the statue he created, because he created her in, like as like, in a in garden now, or as in... That's true. Audrey Hepburn does basically person. act
0: like a statue with a mouth for about a soul third of this movie, where she's just a total fucking robot.
1: Yeah, because all the singing she does is dubbed.
0: Oh, yeah. No, her lip syncing is awful, dude.
1: No, no. No, they they did the lip-syncing before. It was actually the person that was supposed to dub it going on to them. It wasn't music played. She originally singed it, and then they dubbed the music. Oh, it. I see. So they they did several takes to try to match as best they could, but it was just that. Yeah, because sync. that's
0: one thing that stuck out right away. If we want to talk about that, I felt like this was a really good musical, but not a great movie. Because there were things like that where, like... It stuck out for a couple reasons. First, the lip-syncing was god-awful because, apparently, like Bosco said, they changed the tracks after. Rex Harrison, I don't even think, was lip-syncing because there's a point when he's singing in the study and he turns around and then he gets quieter. And so the only reason that way that would make sense for me is if they actually just had the boom out and everything and he's singing live on set, which I find really interesting. The main reason you can tell that they're lip-syncing her, like, to someone else's voice... Her and also Freddie, her love interest, is that their singing voices sound totally different. Like there is a major consistency issue in the ma- in the first, uh, really the fir- the second number, I suppose, where after doing her like Cockney accent, where you just can't understand like half the words she says on the street, she starts singing her song. I believe "Wouldn't It Be Lovely" was the title, and she's like pronouncing every syllable perfectly. Like she she's singing like "Wouldn't It," like "Wouldn't It." Not there's there's no cockney about it and I guess that was one of my issues was that it seemed like a really good musical like as far as musical music goes I was I I liked this uh, one but I don't know just as a film it felt like all the elements weren't there what are your thoughts
1: well yeah mm-hmm. there is like one bit where you actually do Audrey sing it's like in the line where she's talk talking about a pillow or something like one line of, actually they didn't dub one line <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But she she even said herself, if she knew that they were going to dub it, she would never take the role in the first place.
0: Well, because she was one of the few roles, Audrey Hepburn, not from the musical production. Like Rex Harrison, I think, was the MVP in this movie. Uh, He came from the original musical production. But the person in the original musical production who played Eliza wasn't Audrey Hepburn. It was the chick who played uh, Mary Poppins. What's her name? Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews. It was Julie Andrews. And so Audrey Hepburn... Was actually one of the few people that didn't come off the Broadway production. And I guess maybe her singing voice in the role was very untested, right? They didn't know if, I don't know if it was, because Audrey Hepburn, I think, can sing. Like, she's been in movie singing, but maybe it was the keys of the song or something that just didn't sound good with her voice, and they didn't know that ahead of time.
1: No, she can sing. They just didn't like the way she sang it, that's all. And They just tried to make it match Julie Andrews singing, because they're trying to compete with Mary Poppins, which came out the same year.
0: I believe Julie Andrews ended up winning the Oscar for her performance in Mary Poppins. I don't even know if Audrey Hepburn ended up getting nominated.
1: Well, they, like like even if you look in the backstory, they actually did the, the, um, the newspapers or whatever, publicity, we try and pit them two together uh, because the same movie came out the same year, and basically almost identical time periods. I mean, this one's a little bit later, it's in the 1900s. Because uh, the of, of cars are in it. Yeah, so they like got cars, so it's definitely something in the took off. But they're all—it's all, it's all like Victorian era, either it's end of it or the middle of it. And I think they—they they, they pit the two movies together because they came out the same year, both musicals, very, basically very similar in you know time period, dress, and s- musical numbers. And I think I do think the production value in these movies is very good compared to the last we watched. This one's significantly better. It's probably. Probably one of the best movies we're going to see, you know, for most of it. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's they try to pit the two actors together. And so when they, they start bringing them up against that, then that's why I think uh, Audrey Hepburn's more um, mellow or more, more lower like this voice doesn't really suit or match Audrey Hepburn, uh, no, 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 Julie Andrews.
0: Yeah, I, I, would, ag- I would agree. They, they tried to just make her be Julie Andrews with a bigger name. And if you're going to change your leading actress for something, I think, you know, the the content has to fit the leading actress. You can't, especially when it's someone like it's It wasn't like they grabbed some Julie Andrews lookalike, right? Like Audrey Hepburn was already pretty famous at this point, And ev- everyone knew who she was. And, you know, she was a known factor. That's why they switched her, because they expected they wanted the movie to be more popular. They didn't think Julie Andrews would have enough star appeal to bring in uh, the money they wanted, because it does really all come down to money with any of these studio pictures.
1: Well, I, like, again, I'm primarily going back to the part, part where they're just, they're pitting the two actors together, and which is a fictitious um, rivalry they had, which wasn't, there was none. But they, they made it to do that just to give it like a publicity type thing. And I think that's the reason why they changed the voice to even match Julie Andrews more and made it more competitive on that. But it also made the film more lacking in most instances. But I, I, it's, since it's dubbed, I do believe there is an original audio track of Audrey Hepburn singing all the lines. I would like to see that released. I'm sure. Yeah, but
0: I, I, yeah, I'm yeah i sure they definitely had it recorded. Uh, now that I, I could tell she was dubbed, now that you're saying that she did record it, now that now I can forgive the lip-syncing a lot more. I still don't think that, um, I still don't like, I don't like how you have to go into the backstory to look past things in movies, but that that's at least fair. Because I was going to say, Audrey Hepburn, like, she can sing. So at the time, it didn't make a lot of sense to me why she just like looked fucking retarded trying to lip sync to the uh to the notes. Uh the other kind of production value thing I had an issue with the movie is this isn't this wasn't across the whole movie, but there were a lot of times where they would just sit camera scene. And what I mean by that was they had their set, they just set up the camera at a flat angle to cover it and they just go like that and
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean some instances, yeah. But they, would, they were still moving. They had pan cans. We got to remember back. This is in the uh, 60s. Cameras are still massively large. And we're, we're, t- we're talking about movies like from other movies like uh, I guess the one with uh, was it was it the one with, with, with interracial marriage? I forget what it's called already. But that that one was in the 70s, right?
0: No, that one was uh, I think a couple years after this. Guess oh, who's never mind. dinner? Is yeah, that
1: the one the, ignore me. Ignore what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to uh, well, I'm saying is like. Most of the cameras are really large, and since there's a high production value, the 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 film the film quality is much higher than those films we saw previously, and so that means there's probably like some Technicolor um, cameras that are ridiculously expensive and ridiculously large. And these are really this is very good. Uh, if you saw I saw the remastered, it's really high quality. I mean, this is some good shit. Like that, I
0: I like how you brought up Technicolor because I remember during the opening credits, which by the way. The opening credit sequence for this movie is the most boring so far. It's just static images of flowers and names. But what they get, there's a whole slide that just is Technicolor with a little copyright symbol, and that's like, all right, Technicolor it is.
1: <laughs> well, that's me know in quality because they're like they're like the pioneers of. Uh, yeah, that was, at the
0: time this would have been a fairly big deal. I mean, we're we're a little into colored film at this point, but still to do a big money feature film it still would have cost you quite a bit to make sure it looks nice and colored. Especially a three-hour film. I mean, yes, this movie is close to three hours. think uh, It's the longest we've watched so far.
1: Well, I mean, it's just like, I, I do believe like there's a lot of scenes like, I mean, it, yeah, it was more static, like a sitcom, but that's because it was, a, it was a play, so when you have the play aspect or musical aspect when it's based off one of those things, it's always going to be like a flat angle for the most part. Well,
0: see, but that's what, that's what I mean. I thought this was a really great musical, but I felt, the places where they filmed were a couple of the aspects, and actually, turn places where they failed were a couple aspects of actually turning it into a film. Like, you shouldn't. I feel like I expect a little more than just deciding to film the uh, film the musical like it's some HBO special, right? You're making this as a movie. Uh, I should be able to respect the cinematography choices made, regardless of if I know it's background or not.
1: Is my right. Opinion. Well, I know exactly what you mean, but this is my problem. With, that's like the problem with every musical there is for me. Like, um, what's that movie musical? That's a cult. Ah, uh, shit, I can't remember what it's called anymore. Fiddler on the Roof. No, it's the one that has like all these people that, <laughs> that like to wear like, uh, tra- Transvestite. i Transvestite from Transylvania. That one. You know what I'm talking about? You know, what is that movie called? Um, Rocky Horror Picture Show. That, again, another musical that's very. Sylvester Stallone? No, not at all. No, like, it's a cult classic. Everyone knows it, pretty much. But, I mean, it's it's so highly highly acclaimed, and I can't watch it. It just seems, like, too just flat. It's like, only thing that carries is the music. Like, every obviously, the only thing that carries musicals is the music. But if it's, if, when, it's a, when it's just not even taking... When you cut the music out, it's just a really bad B-movie. And But this one's not a really bad B-movie. It's just a really generic 60s film with very nice... Uh, Sets, the sets are really nice. I guess. Yeah, yeah.
0: I thought, I mean, like just just to put up the uh, kind of like the Cockney area, right? Yeah. Was, they used for probably a fair bit of the film, but that set was like massive. Like that, for for mid slash early sixties, like that's a that's a very impressive set to put that thing up, probably in some warehouse in California somewhere. Yeah, I, I thought that you're right. The production values were really nice. They one of the places where they succeeded certainly in adapting it to film was in a couple of scenes, like the opening and the horse races, and the, um, Ambassadors Bowl, where they got those large amount of extras to make it look like a really, you know, like a packed crowd, and I I really did like that. So, real quick, I suppose I will go over the awards, Academy Awards, this movie, this movie won quite a few, it won the big award, Best Picture, it also won for Directing, Best Actor, Rex Harrison, Best Cinematography, Sound, Original Music Score, obviously, um, when a musical wins best picture, it's highly likely also going to win the sound and music score. Uh it also won for best arc direction, best costume design, and was additionally nominated for adapted screenplay, film editing, and best supporting actor for her dad and Henry's mom, so the parents in this movie. What did you, what did you think of her dad by the way? His uh his little story of how he rose mm-hmm. to
1: Yeah. I think well actually ironically, I think this movie is very similar to Audrey Hepburn's up uh life. And summonses not not at the end but it was um as you know as you know as her father left her when she, she was born in Belgium right
0: okay she, I, I don't know anything about her so you
1: go on no I was just reading this up last night when I was watching it because there's a lot of during the intermission period
0: <laughs> right this movie has an intermission as well which is uh just a little interesting but it it's definitely needed I guess because it it does come from the musical um I felt like it was a little strangely placed for best dramatic effect I would have preferred it after where the guy whispers, like, what he finds, but we don't know it yet, but go go on anyway, so during the there's intermission.
1: A, there's an intermission in Lord of the Rings as a fellowship, and I think it was placed about two-thirds in it either way. I think they, they always do it around two-thirds. So, and yeah, I'm talking inter- for
0: story purposes, not length
1: purposes. Well, yeah, I know, but even Lord of the Rings kind of ruined the moment for me. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so basically, yeah, her father left her. Her father was a piece of shit, like this guy's father was a piece of shit. Because he was um he was part of the British uh, fascist party, not you neo know, basically neo Nazi type, no Nazi type. Sorry. Oh, good guy, good guy. And yeah, so basically yeah, that's pretty much it, man. I mean, it sh- shitty life. The upgrading, got better, got better, you know. And that was it. I, I mean, I had more other than, I had more understanding, more related relations, but I can't remember it at all. Cause it was like tired out when I was thinking about this one. Yeah, that's a really cool thing to bring up. I can't remember what I was talking about last night. <laughs> But you will find some similarities. One thing I wanted to talk about is,
0: do you feel like the love story between Eliza and Freddie, or the almost love story in
1: this movie, was needed? It wasn't a love story at all.
0: Well, it was <laughs> love from one person's perspective.
1: No, it was, it was fascination. She really didn't like him. She just thought, like, well, maybe he'll provide for me because he has a rich family. But he was just infatuated with her because she was just different.
0: Right. Yeah, he was very impressed with telling the racehorse to move its bloomin' arse. Yeah, I I did like his his musical number outside the um. Uh, yeah, he had like a voice that sounded nothing like him. That's how I could tell he was the other person being dubbed by someone else because he was like Irish. The guy who was singing. Yeah,
1: I only really think that was really much of anything, honestly. Yeah, I just think because like if you paid if it just to me it was like kind of like oh it's like one of those plot devices in in the movie, not really odd devices for the people to watch, because it just helped things move along. But it wasn't really necessary. It was just to give um, her some leverage against Henry uh, Hogan's Rex Hatterson.
0: Yeah. Well, but that's the thing. We never really find out what happens when it ends. Like, yeah, she moves back to live with him and Pickering, presumably. But what's she going to do, right? She doesn't solve her issue of what she fit for, right? She She just decides to go back. Like, we never find out, because... She was always saying, like, what have you prepared me for? Which I, I found that a bullshit argument, because it's not like she lose, she lost any skills she had before. She can go back and fucking sell flowers on the street or something if she really wants to still. But, well, no.
1: I believe, like, when she's been brought up in such a way, and you lived in such a way, for six months, that it's kind of like, to go back to how you were is like it's going to destroy you, because it's like, well, I've, I've learned so much, I've become so much, and I've been trained so much, it's just for what reason... Just to win a bet.
0: Yeah, but but then so then what what resolution does she find going back at the end? That's my that's my one issue at the ending.
1: Well, it says it here in the Wikipedia, or you can just pay attention that she had no idea if he actually really cared about her at all, and he did. He apparently did.
0: Well, yeah, I, I believe I believe he did, or at least he realizes he did afterwards, right?
1: Because if you if you remember the song, the song was very like blunt. She didn't really want a man to, you know, love her or anything just wants a man to t- just, like, care for her and take care of her.
0: So? Yeah. So she was, so you think she was just satisfied going back and living there? Yeah. Just making a, have, what is it, was, how many, was it two dudes and one chick and three's company? I've never seen three's company.
1: Three's company's two chicks, one dude.
0: Ah, uh, damn it. It's it's the inverse, three's company, with two old confirmed bachelors. <laughs> I remember thinking of that line. Gay? Nah, and then they say They have the whole song about like, "I wish women were more like men."
1: Yeah, which I thought was funny because Audrey Hepburn also starred in a, a lesbian movie. Oh man! Uh, not too long after this, Ooh, so, which which is not gonna be in the top 100, even though they have abortion and anti and, and interracial marriages in the top 100 for AFI, but not this, which is kind of weird. I think there'll probably be some gay movie in there eventually. I uh, well, I do yeah. aggress, of course. <laughs>
0: There's, there's, there'll definitely be a gay relationship at some point. That's not, and it's not even implied in this movie. I think, it, I think it just, it's Obviously one, like, not. it's one of those Broadway things that like, kind of, kind of jokes at it, like the idea that. Want to be nice gay dick. <laughs> uh, so a couple things I found funny in this movie was, um, the scene where she's in the bath, right? <laughs> she's just fucking screaming. I yeah. thought I thought that was great, and like, because all well, these are things that I liked. Uh, there's a couple things I'm gonna say another one because people reacted like how they would actually react. Like, there's that scene for like screaming in the tub, like it, it's it's comedic, right? She's like this dirty cotton girl who doesn't want even tub, but then it actually cuts to the guys downstairs and saying like, "Yeah, we can hear this." Or at the end of her dream sequence, which I thought was a little weird because it kind of teased with the idea that we might be getting another surprise murder plot, like, last week in our movie, right? But how, when her dream sequence, he actually sees her, like, finishing the song and he's looking at her and asking what's going on. So I like those touches. I also like the uh, Gilligan cut. Uh, did you pick up on the Gilligan cut in this movie?
1: Uh, no. I don't know what Gilligan cut would be.
0: <laughs> okay, a Gilligan cut's like, it's, you'll, you'll see it all the time. Like, when, once I tell you what it is, you'll instantly be able to know what, it, like, recognize, oh, I've seen all these places. It's like, when someone says something and then it cuts forward in time, like being like, I don't know, some guy goes like, "Well, I'll never go to Cuba," and then it cuts to like him, like face at the same angle, and he's suddenly in Cuba, that type of thing.
1: Oh, you mean like Family Guy?
0: Sure. I'm I'm not entirely sure. I for they prob no 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 that you mean just like a Family Guy cutaway.
1: I don't know, I'm joking. I used to be a president like you, then I took an intern to our knees. That Bill Clinton. Okay, yeah. So yeah, what, what scene would that be? I don't remember this one.
0: (laughs) This is, um, when, after the horse race, when Pickering thinks, like, because it was a great Gillian cut, because I didn't even pick up on it at first. When Pickering's telling Henry that it's all over, right? Like that, oh no, we're done. Like, she can never be a proper lady, right? And then it instantly cuts six weeks forward to the ball. Oh. And Pickering's still going like, oh no, this can't work. Because that was a, that was a great Gillian cut, because I didn't even notice it was a cut. For a couple seconds. Which was really funny.
1: Yeah, I guess. I guess. I wasn't really impressed by that, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't pick up thoughts, I didn't really care, so there you go. Uh,
0: any final thoughts on the movie?
1: Mm, not really.
0: No? Do you wanna do you wanna give a summation if you had to give like a one sentence review?
1: Um it's like Mary Poppins, but just not as good.
0: Okay. I thought it was a really great musical and a... Alright, movie. The movie aspects, I'm still not entirely there. And I'm still not even sure if Audrey Hepburn was that good in it. So, uh, Bosco, any final anecdotes before we sign off for this week?
1: I don't know, man. I don't have as much... This was a very serious movie for me. I don't know what to say. Because it wasn't absolutely terrible like the other two. Right. <laughs> not, I didn't have to make up my own ventures. I just kind of like went with it, you know? Right. Alright,
0: well... <laughs> So next week we will be watching, this will be an interesting one, the 1927 American musical film The Jazz Singer. This may be one of the earliest, if not the earliest, movie on our list. In fact, I would not be surprised if it's the earliest, 27. So we'll be watching the 1927 film The Jazz Singer. And as always, viewers, uh we've grown accustomed to your faces. So please join us next week. We hope you had a good time here
1: on The Greatest Movie Podcast. We've never said that before. Goodbye.
0: just been listening to a Gooncast Media Podcast the greatest movie podcast Okay, I just, ah, oh, I just stepped on my headphone cord. <laughs> I suppose we will resume. Was it... I will, oh, one, okay, one thing I want to talk about is do you feel like the, oh, whatever, I'm just going to edit that out, so. one.